Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women. Not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girl Bomb. Girl Bomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self care. So, to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. The Around the NFL podcast are most definitely humans. From the Chris Wessling podcast studio, it is Around the NFL. I am Dan Hansis. I got heroes all up in this place. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, and the return of Patrick Claybon. Hey, Pat. What's up, man? How are you guys? Good. What's well, the reference with the human business? Well, I'm a little bit... I think it's a perfect episode for Patrick because um, I think Claybon. One of the things that makes him great on Mike and just an oh interesting boy. fellow is, you know, he'll he'll be a bit of a naysayer on things. He'll say this take is something people need to calm down about. Now let's talk about what's going on here in the world because I don't think it's, it's being talked about enough right now. Okay, and look at Patrick's reaction. He's got takes that are going to be. I, I I think I know where that we're beautiful going. mouth in just a couple of minutes. But <laughs> that took it to a place. Um, you ever hear? You ever hear that meme out there? Um, the Simpsons predicted it. Yeah, I've seen th- some things up that alley. Um, how about hashtag ATN predicted it? This is a drop that was cultivated years ago. I say we trust them. How great for our planet. Is it great? <laughs> oh, we thought. Yeah. Man, I missed the throne of sleaze. That was, that was some good heat. Um, and then, and then, this just happened. You say that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft. Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? Something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, Okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. (laughs) If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, Ask it, Miss Mays. Human or non-human biologics? Ask it. Got it. 
non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. Uh, hello? Hello? <laughs> hello? And, and then Tugboat, this morning, as I do, I wake up, and I went to check New York Times, and I was like, obviously, this is a major story. Right. Um, this was, uh, he, that was David Grosh testified under oath that the U.S. government has recovered non-human biological remains from the crash site of unidentified craft. Made that revelation during questions from South Carolina's U.S. Rep. Na- Nancy Mason. Hi, Nancy Mason. At oversight committee hearing. I couldn't even find it on the Times. Okay? The gray lady. The paper of record. Uh, so what's going on? It's a cover-up. Claybon, what, what do you got? Because you, I feel like you're exploding to get a take out there, probably to take down the whole thing. No, I mean, it was the same take I had yesterday. So we have a person who has given some interviews and said some things, and then instead of answering the question, he references the interviews because he's under oath, right? If you want to talk about, like, a non-human biologic being on a craft, that could literally be a paper airplane with an ant on it, right? Patrick. Like, he didn't specifically say that these were extraterrestrial Why can't you still Claybon about this? (laughs) Because. Come on the journey. So... Again, the the thing that what's the story with this guy? I I have to admit I'm not I've learned everything about this story. That's in the what last the government wants to do. Or two. Many, Greg, many Greg. Is, Greg is scanning the Washington Post for this. I haven't been. No, I'm <laughs> scanning who the guy is uh, on Wikipedia. If the government <laughs> was so motivated to stop this, would he have been able to say this in the first place? Mm. I, I just I um I don't know. I'd, I'd say it. Uh, my antenna is up a little bit on this. Well, I story. knew yours would be, but even beyond like. Mark and conspiracy theories and otherworldly things. I mean, and I have a cousin, Big Dog, who's way into aliens and has been for years. He said he spotted one right above his pool, his father's pool. A craft or a, a, or craft. a biologic. And I said, did you get the camera out? He said, yeah. no, nah, we were in the pool. <laughs> of course. But I believe him too. Something's happening here. I, I, I believe your cousin more than I believe this particular person based on the way that they approach this. I did see our, our friend Jason Zumwalt was asking for an apology for anyone who's ever doubted uh, the existence of uh, extraterrestrial being. And I had no uh, context for it because you're right. I guess this story has been buried. I think the, the sound drop, though, is in reference uh, to the woman on the, on the plane who who was convinced that someone else on the plane was not a human. And I, I looked at Mark at that time, and he looked skeptical, even just assuming that we're all humans here. Oh, this, you didn't seem to be accepting this, that as a truth. This Zumdrop well, actually came in when Greg made a reference mm. like, these players are human. So oh, this has been holstered oh, for okay. a bit, and it just well, kind of worked. Sort of works. Yeah. Gee, although it works on this level, too. And it works on multiple levels, like a good, any good Zumwalt drop. And not for nothing, this guy to my right, um, Kind of a classic alien move to be like, oh, it could be an ant on a paper airplane. <laughs> well, <laughs> classic alien move. Again. In hiding. In sight. If I had evidence of extraterrestrial intelligent life and somebody asked about it, I would answer the question. Right? As I mean, opposed unless to being like, like, there could be repercussions, too. <laughs> but it's only a repercussions if you're lying, right? Yeah, if, there, if there's repercussions, then why would he be there in the first place? Or if you're telling the truth. All right, let's stick a pin in it. Okay. If you want people to know, tell everybody. Like, Mr. Alien Man, like, don't go on News Nation. I think, he, like, maybe he doesn't feel safe because this is that big. You know what I mean? Like, there it's are. It's not a small story if it's true. It's a large story, and it's going to. I mean, it's still like we'll still be talking about Patrick Mahomes all, all for the next three months, but 
It would oh, be Barbenheimer. Like, it's like, how about we <laughs> check out what's happening in I'm, these hearings? I'm all, we're, we're not, we're not silencing this on ATM. Keep pounding. We're, we're ready for the discussion. We're not a part of anything. We're leading the show with it. Yeah. Like, exactly. If, I thought it was if, important if, to lead the show. With if it. you want to be to believe a society has developed technology to travel faster than the speed of light, they came all the way to Earth and they're like, oh no, the carburetor. And then they like struggle <laughs> in our atmosphere. Like, go for it. Like, I I'll knew you it. were going to do this. <laughs> I knew it. Well, you were logical. They figured everything out except oxygen. They're like, whoa, what is this? Like, ah, this is too much. Gravity? Oh, God. Mark. I I, I believe. I I tend to, uh, I'm I'm open minded. I'd say vastly open minded to the concept. And I feel like you're you're not even, you're closed minded to anyone that's closed minded. I mean, you, I feel like you're in. You're in. in. You don't, you don't like it if someone else is closed minded. I I would say, you're hard on one side. I think there's a lot of stuff out there in the past that is a little fugazi in terms of people wanting like to project false ideas and stuff. But like, dude, the idea, the idea that we're the only thing that's in the entire universe is absurd to me. Yeah, and I'm definitely not saying that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm with you there. I, I just I I'll get off to, the fence, Rosenthal. I listened to what that guy said, and I I don't believe that guy. That that's all I'm saying. <laughs> there's there's an issue with that. Well, that's your. Uh, yeah, you're right. And you nod your head in agreement, Greg. But you don't know about that because they've been hiding the story in this hearing. We got to. We, it's got to get. We've all wa- seen it. Why did it get to Wapo? Like, Greg's in. The conspiracy runs deep. I like to see that you're open-minded, Dan. I thought oh. maybe you'd be on the other side. No way. And Dan think about forward. that, because usually this would be something you would think that I would poo-poo. Right. But the fact that Zeuser is on us. Yep. You got Daddy Rich in the corner. Of, Can't convince you yeah. that Lee Harvey Oswald might have had a little help, but but this, on this front, you're you had a great right, well. angle from the sixth floor. Dan says he was built different. <laughs> that was, he had momentum. And, he was, uh, he was cooking that it's day. It's like it's like t- tweets from 1969. Uh, I mean, terrible, Three. terrible 19, what happened 30, in Dallas. But sure, November 20th. It was an assassin that had a good day. Officially tracked as like a terrible shot in the Marines, but that's fine. Suddenly, I'm sure he worked on it in his that spare time. You know, it happens. Blonde squirrel. <laughs> Blonde squirrel. All right, let's get to the news. This is even crazier, I think, than what we just talked about. Um, <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets uh, agreed to a new two-year, $75 million guaranteed contract running through next year. Pellraiser um, had this. Uh, Rodgers is taking – can I just tell you how weird the last few months have been as a Jets fan? And I'm waiting for the football to get pulled out um, while also being more optimistic than I've ever been about an incoming season. It's very, I'm very, uh, you know, it's clashing, obviously, internally. But everything that's come out has been good news. And this is the latest good news. Rodgers took a pay cut of roughly $35 million. And just to put that in perspective, Saquon Barkley just signed that Fugazi deal with the, the Giants who wouldn't play ball for him trying to get an extra million. Like He's just like, I'm going to give up the rights to, to get this franchise tag used on me this year, so maybe I could hit incentives that get me an extra mil and get me to 11. Rodgers took a pay cut of roughly $35 million as his previous deal had nearly $110 million guaranteed remaining per Pelissero. Um And a lot of the money is comes due next season, which gives Rodgers more reason to play a second season, which alleviates some others. Here's Aaron Rodgers talking a little bit about his situation. The team gave up uh, significant uh, pieces for it just to be a one-year deal. Um, I'm aware of that. I think there was uh, you know, an awareness of that. 
now again anything can happen with my body or with the success we have this year but I'm having a blast so I don't really see this as a one year and done thing Mark part of this feels like the biggest setup of all time for Jets fans uh, because right now it's like everything seems great on the same and then we learn a day later that Dalvin Cook is visiting with the team and they could be very close on a deal and they have all this extra money now laying around it's wild yeah I mean it it's uh, this happened right after we wrapped yesterday's episode, and, and, and in that episode, we were praising Justin Herbert for taking just a little bit less than he might have um, in his deal. And then this came out, and I read this while driving, and nearly went off the highway because um, I don't. There's no experience like this where a player took this kind of a a haircut, a chop. Has um, this ever happened? Like- no, no, I know, but it's also I think it's just um, to your point. Like it's I'm finding it. It's a chore to be cynical about the Jets. Um, and I've long been cynical about Sean Payton will disagree. Yeah, well, that's fine. I've long been cynical about Aaron Rodgers, and I'm I'm struggling with that. And it's like we're months removed from like everyone poking fun at him for going, you know, into a dark cubby below Earth. Um, but he came out happier than ever, uh, and with a healthy disdain for materialism that completely helps and cha- changes the Jets next two seasons. So what's not to like about this? It, it was it's so surprising that I you know I, my immediate reaction was confusion and trying to find out what, what are the details? Cause this doesn't make like, sense. is it fake? Is it one of those? Yeah. yeah. Is there, right. is there more to the story is like Woody Johnson offering like a wink, wink, nah, nah, nah. Hey, you want to get into big pharma? It's nice on the other side. I like, I, I don't know. <laughs> and so I did some research trying to like figure it out. Cause you asked if it ever happened before drew Brees took a pretty significant pay cut very late in his career when he didn't have to with guaranteed money. His play was, declining in a way that Rodgers wasn't, and it wasn't this big over two years. So th- that's the only thing that would be even close. And and I did some research, and one thing I didn't realize is he actually gave up the guaranteed money for 2024, which was $47 million, m- most of this really, a- actually back in uh, April or, or May when this thing happened. No one noticed. When they restructured it back then, actually, he had already given up the 2024 guaranteed money, which, you know, I did find some analysis at the time, the, the few people that did it, and they were like really surprised because actually it was really surprising uh, back then too. My, I mean, my takeaway was just like, he didn't, he didn't have to do this. We know that almost certainly he's, the plan is he's going to be there two years. That's my uh, biggest, least. biggest takeaway. And, and I, it's strange in part this year because like, they're not really going to spend that money this year. So it's not just about helping the 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 Jets. It's I don't know. I it's, I am sort of at a loss at a loss on it. It's about spiting the Packers a little. Packers right? have a maybe, bigger cap hit maybe. than the Jets this year. Like that's for Aaron Rodgers. You think so? I, I do think I do think that's, it's like I don't think it's just simply that. But I agree with you, Patrick, that it's trying. I like think PR. To set, yeah, to set the table for a couple things because to your point, Dan, like if the whole season goes south and he's making that much money and they gave up assets for him and you don't get the version of Aaron Rodgers that you thought you would. I mean, it will turn so ugly, but mm. he, there's so much goodwill right now that even if it takes till next season for everything to kind of gel, there's more patience around it. And I do think it's a, hey, Green Bay, you kept twisting and twisting the knife, and now I'm somewhere where I'm happy and I'm, I'm refreshed, and this is the version of me. But he got all that guaranteed money from then. He, he also squeezed the knife to get that three-year $150 million. Yeah, but they drafted his successor, over, and I think it, that, was, that yeah. was more than the money. It was like, you're, it's a disrespect that like, the Jets are like, we're all in on you. He's all in on them. And and it, in that, it kind of the Packers kind of get it both ways. From 12, my 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 question would be, 
like how somebody who was going through a contract situation with the Packers in that time frame might feel about like how does Devonte <laughs> feel about mm. this circumstance? Um, but like because I was looking at Spotrack, Spotrack, I don't know how to say it. Shout out to the dude, mm-hmm. but it was a forty point three dead cap hit for the Packers, and he's just going to account for twenty six million combined over the next two years for the Jets, and. It's going to help them planning their 2024 season, no doubt. That's like, I don't I don't know what other explanation there is, like, yeah. unless Aaron has just decided, like, to forego worldliness. Well, he's also made, a, I mean, $37 million, he's made a ton of money, and how much money do you, do you need? But how did they get to that number? How did it even no kid. go there, you know? Kids are expensive. <laughs> they can be. Oh, God. Anyway, um, <laughs> I mentioned Dalvin Cook, uh, the running back. Uh, Dan, the light just went in, out in his eyes briefly. I've been solo dadding it this week, and it's it's starting to pile up a little bit. Um, running back Dalvin Cook is flying to New York uh, today, Thursday, to visit with the Jets this weekend. Pellraiser reported uh, since Dalvin Cook's release from Minnesota, the Jets have been one club rumored to be interested in the four-time All-Pro uh, Brees Hall on the pup list right now. They think the world of Hall in terms of his future, but things are a little murky right now coming off the ACL tear. So it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, that would just pump up uh, expectations and excitement. Even more, Greg, The uh, there's a rival in the AFC East that also is in play here potentially. Yeah, the Patriots are also uh, reportedly in the mix. So uh, Devontae Adams might be kind of being like wondering what's up with that Aaron Rodgers conjure, but Dalvin Cook's loving it. Uh, they got a little extra money. Now there's a couple teams bidding for him. And I, I have an assignment this month of, uh, the 2024 free agents starting the, the early list on that. And you want, one thing that's not helping these running backs, I realized this year and thinking long-term is the outrageous free agent class next year of running backs. Like everyone's up. I think that's part of the reason it's down. Saquon, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, JK Dobbins, uh, AJ Dillon. Tony Pollard, I could go on. So it's like that's that's partly why running backs haven't been paid, but maybe Dalvin Cook could be the exception now. Um, let's because this is kind of connected to to the Jets. Let's talk about Sean Payton, who um, man, Sean Payton's feeling good. He spoke with USA Today, and he was in a chatty mood. He was a real chatty Kathy. Jarrett Bell will give him the pop here. Uh, he did the uh, conversation and then wrote a fairly explosive story. Um, here are the details. Peyton called the work. Nathaniel Hackett, who's now the OC of the Jets um, and close to Aaron Rodgers, kind of helped lead to that situation coming together in in uh, Jersey. Uh, but Peyton called the work of Hackett and his staff, uh, what they did with the 2022 Broncos, quote, one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. Is this something that ever happens either? This coach on coach violence and said there were, quote, <laughs> 20 dirty hands around quarterback Russell Wilson's career worst season uh, when he led the uh, league. He took 55 sacks through just 16 touchdown passes. The team cratered, obviously. Uh, and Peyton summed up the experience of what happened last year to this year. Um, everything I heard about last season, we're doing the opposite. Hamana, Hamana, Greggy. <laughs> uh, like I said, you don't usually see coaches go after each other. Peyton does also mention he doesn't even know Hackett, which made it easier, I'm sure, to fire off these shots. Very interesting. Yeah, he he says it doesn't happen often where an NFL team or organization gets embarrassed 
and that's what happened here. Oh, he said they spent so much effing time trying to win the offseason, the PR, the pomp, and the circumstances, marching people around and all this stuff. Which, <laughs> I got to say, we kind of got on them last night oh, yeah. about uh, as well. We were very big. We pointed out that Hackett was in awe of Russell Wilson in that opening press conference. And yeah. It seemed a little bit weird. Well, it was entertaining, but then <laughs> yeah. it became very non-entertaining. It, there was like a three, you know, and it was great that we got this access, but there was an interview on NFL Network a couple weeks into the season um, with Hackett and Wilson together, where it was like, this is how we all came together. And they were just not reading the temperature. Come on, at y'all, that, Russell Wilson. At Holy. that point, it was already going um, downhill. Very exciting. <laughs> I love I loved this, though. Um, like, it reminds me of another Peyton story this offseason. I don't know if you saw that video that went around. Of oh, around the draft? He was, yeah. Yeah. His hands so were full. I'm just saying, when have I said some of the things that I regret the most in my life? When are my uh, words a little looser than others? Maybe, like, like the real deal, even a little, like, harder-edged, cynical uh, words come out. Sometimes it's in that situation. So I'm not – I'm just connecting dots here. Maybe, maybe – Maybe you can connect them. Uh, you think during this interview that maybe... That <laughs> I mean, I have... I mean, you, it's sound a, a little loose. It's okay. a tongue-in-cheek, but yes. Yes. Have you ever been I to mean, Denver or Colorado? Sometimes that's, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes, like, the truth, or maybe even worse than the truth, comes out where you're just trying to, like, like bury people. I don't know. I don't know that it's that spicy. I, okay. I feel like the things that he said... Can um, I give you a little bit more? Uh, yeah, just give, a little give me bit the more. spiciest one. All right, yeah. so then after all that, and then he directly goes after another team, which is the Jets, which is, by the way, and probably not a coincidence where Hackett is now. Um, he mentioned, like, we're not marching around people and all this stuff. We're not doing any of that. The Jets did that this year. You watch Hard Knocks, all of it. I can see it coming. Uh, and then he. This is where he really things. started. Like he's, yeah, like, he's rolling. He's like, now. I'm about to roll. Um, should uh, before we get Claybon Slots, let's hear Robert Sala. Obviously, he meets with the press at training camp uh, in Florham Park, and he's asked about his team getting buried by Peyton somewhere in Colorado. Well, I'm not going to acknowledge Sean on that. It is he? You know, he's been in the league a while. He can say whatever the hell he wants. But uh, but as far as you know, what we have going on here, it's. Um, I love this. You know the. <laughs> I kind of live by saying, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. Mm. You know, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, we're doing something right if you oh. got to talk about us when we don't play you till week four. Oh, and they're playing. You know, but uh, week five. Oh, you know, the guys yes. in the locker room, they, they've earned everything that's coming to them. Um, um, and really excited about what's <laughs> going Patrick on. I think Hackett's died. doing a phenomenal job here. Him, the uh, coaching staff is doing a phenomenal job. And, and we're focused on us. I get it. There's a lot of external noise. There's a lot of people who are hating on us. There's a lot of people looking for us to fail. There's a lot of crows pecking at our neck. Uh, but all you can do is spread your wings, keep flying high until those crows fall off and suffocate from the inability to breathe. It's a whole I mean, other whoa, analogy. Whoa, 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 Papa. Now by the way, dead. this is the coach that didn't want to be on hard knocks. It's going to be like one of the better hard knocks soliloquy, soliloquies of all time right there. You can hear the hard knocks music going on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Patrick, your thoughts. Uh, that was, wasn't all this the reason that Coach Sala didn't want to do hard knocks? Like oh, that he, is he wild. was, he was kind of like he's kind of on Peyton's corner. There. He, he, didn't he was like a it. distraction truther about like oh, the, the way this. Is. And so Sean Peyton's saying what Robert Sala initially said before Hard Knocks. Like he just mentioned the Jets and like the conversation around. The Sean was very loose and he was yeah. shooting from the hip. It seems. I, I don't think he said like Robert Sala and the Jets are going to do a bad job or anything. Like he believes in this, I guess, myth that like a you watch, he said, makes you play bad or something. Uh, yeah, I. I, I like, I love this phrase, marching people around and all this stuff. <laughs> he I says, mean, you watch, I can see it coming. He's saying the Jets are going to flop this year because of the things that they're doing. 
I think I think I think part of it because you know Sean Payton, who was a pupil of Bill Parcells, who was a master at this kind of stuff. um, Part of it is like he's looking at a locker room in which Russell Wilson essentially lost the team a year ago. I mean, beyond all the fire of what he's saying, I think he's trying to reset the table and be like, we've got to believe in our quarterback a little bit. Um, I there are reasons beyond Russell Wilson that this team was an epic disaster last year, and I think from a coaching angle. He saw malfeasance, just an absolute loss of responsibility. Mm. And when we watched the Broncos, I mean, literally, that stadium was was booing them oh, because yeah. of time management. Peyton mentioned that, an, too. They had more pre-snap penalties and fractions. They couldn't even get a play in. All that was true. I mean, he's just it's, saying that's all it's over just now. crazy that Peyton, I mean, he's a guy that's very confident in himself and is known as kind of a dude that will, you know, not afraid to stick his chest out. He's in that old Parcells mode. Um, that you be so public about it. But I think maybe he's trying to mm. rebrand the Broncos after Absolutely. a very humbling year. And I don't hate on it. I just would, th- you know, no, it's, it's pretty we're wild. Fun. Yeah, Like we're doing, uh, you know, fun NFL rivalries later. I mean, Broncos Jets is now on my list. <laughs> Spicy. Peyton, <laughs> Salah. By the way, Let's Salah go. would kill Peyton in a physical battle. Week five. Oh, right. but, That's true. At, at I, midfield. I Peyton's, would love that. Peyton's giving me like late career parcels with the Cowboys and then, and then Dolphins vibes except like he goes out and has fun and doesn't seem like miserable off the field it's a it's an but, it's an exciting combination like that's the <laughs> thing though and, and that's why like I, I point out like the whole distraction truther thing doesn't mean anything because like sean payton has been at the center of so many distractions yeah like sean payton true. had a biopic two years ago like he knows that this whole <laughs> like oh people paying attention makes you bad like no like sean payton mm. knows that you execute you put guys in the right situation you're gonna win football games and he, he is- just likes doing this and bill parcells loved attention too yeah right yeah <laughs> like, yeah, remember, matter. remember when even when Sean Payton was forced out of the league by Bounty Gate, he made sure there was a giant poster of Sean Payton's face <laughs> in the practice bubble in that ensuing season yeah. with the script. Do your job underneath. Even then, he was like, "This is going to be about me." He likes it. I That's, mean, these are Broncos not, signed up for it in part, right? These yeah. are not um, ego-free individuals. These are not, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're external power-based, ego-heavy dudes who liked. I think this is. I love that it's July twenty-seventh. And this is the kind of spice yes. they're getting. And I don't want to hear. I saw some things like, has this ever happened where coaches come in at each other and stuff? And it's like, I, I can't think of anything recently. Yeah. But when you read the old, like, historic football books, like, they used to go at each other so much more because it didn't get as much attention where they would be talking trash like crazy about other teams, players, other teams, coaches, coaches going at each other. Let's bring that back. I may have one for you oh, during wow. our segment. Oh, good. Oh. And I guess that reminded me of this. Just to put a bow on it, having seen Nathaniel Hackett with his two daughters leaving Las Vegas after he took them to the Taylor Swift show, kind of feel bad for him. Yeah. Well, he's getting you. You wait. Absolutely. He's just trying to like restart his career. Yeah. And and you got this goon in Denver just bringing <laughs> it back up and dragging him through the mud. Just, just like, like us, you we we woke up and learned that these quotes were available available to the to the public, and and so did he. And like, it, it got to have ruined his morning. Yeah, Hackett's like, like Hackett's like, what are they like? He's checking Rotoworld. He's like, <laughs> what they changed the site? What like I can't, which one is the player new? Wait, and what did they say? It's like who's that on the grassy knoll? Oh my god, it's Sean Payton. But I don't even know him. He's also reading that at his job, you know, that he has. Sure, and right. there's plenty of coaches that did not have all of these things happen, and they are currently not employed. So, like, sure. He's definitely more upset about the rebranding of Roto World, which has been confusing <laughs> for all of us. Yes, on we're, we're working through it. Um, Jim Irsay, another guy who likes to talk, the owner of the Colts, 
Uh, all the drama about running backs uh, not getting their due, running backs doing text chains, running backs doing Zoom meetings, running backs leaving their teams uh, without signing their franchise tag. Uh, and Ursay's like, what? Even his own running back, Jonathan Taylor, is has been very vocal about uh, wanting a new deal. And Ursay uh, had this to say of the big storyline uh we have negotiated a CBA that took years of effort and hard work and compromise in good faith by both sides, Ursay wrote Wednesday on social media, to say now that a specific player category wants another negotiation after the fact is inappropriate. Some agents are selling bad faith. Greg, do you agree? No, because <laughs> CBAs are changed on the fly. I just teed you up to destroy agents again. I, uh, I this one, it. I'm on the agent's side i guess i mean i think he was responding not to jonathan taylor's specific situation but jonathan taylor has been vocal he seems um as upset with his contract situation as any running back out there and so that's that's part of this uh but i actually think ursay was responding to Najee harris spoke about that maybe they could adjust the way the franchise tag uh for running backs and adjustments do happen to the cba actually before they like re-sign the whole thing. So the, the idea that they're bringing this up as a potential solution is definitely not inappropriate. And I think Ursay just needs to work. Like he's never that, his tweets are never clear. He needs someone, he needs an editor. Well, he used to always reference his uh, administrative assistant to mm. reach out and, you know, do trivia and all this stuff with her. This, um, like the whole running back situation, I'm starting to get, the topic is starting to become tiresome because there's yeah. nothing new to say about it. It starts to make me, it fe- I just feel like they maybe they need to find a way to truly um, make a difference, because it's like, you know, there were once a bunch of angry British people who decided to leave England for the new world. Like, what if every running back banded together and say, we're out of here? Like, wow. every running back leaves every roster, and it's like, go play a football season with no running backs. Let's see how that works. Yeah, it's Do do they have the power and capability to do that? Like, I, unfortunately... For, well, just don't show up to work. For Jonathan Taylor, oh, for Saquon no. Barkley, like, the solution to all of these things aren't going to happen in, in, in the span of their careers, right? Yeah. Like, no. for the, the rookie wage scale went in in 2011. Like, Jonathan Taylor may have been 13 years old at that point. Like, the, like these things happen on these giant glacial time frames. And so, like, the average length of the NFL career has shortened since that CBA, right? And it continues to get shorter. And if you don't play as long, then you're not going to have as much opportunity over time. And, and so, like, the, the most recent CBA, I think, passed by 60 votes. It, it, it wasn't like a slam dunk that they got this deal done. Mm. And, and so, like, that's why I was looking back at Saquon, like, what were his actual options, like, for him in 2023? Right. I, I think that's what some guys are going to have to ask themselves because the solutions might not exist while they're still playing. Right. I mentioned all those free agents. This, this uh, topic is tiresome. I agree, Mark, and it's not going away. I think it's going to be cranked up next year with all those free agents. Uh, I did want to mention Jonathan Taylor's agent responded to that tweet. Bad faith is not paying your top offensive player. Right. So this is something where like the loose uh, lips, I guess, of Ursa here is creating a right, actual issue. For even the if it's not about his it. running back, if it's the owner of the Colts saying this, of yeah. course, Jonathan Taylor's going to be like, huh? And, uh, and Hey, JT, just so you know, and I like you. I think you have a big bounce back season perhaps coming up uh, if that ankle is healthy. You're not getting extended because Chris Ballard then followed up the GM of the Colts. Uh, We're coming off a four-win season. We have a new coaching staff, so we'll kind of let it play out as it does and make those decisions when we need to make those decisions. So 
Tough sitch. Tough sitch. Maybe he should play, have a great season. If the Colts make the playoffs, maybe Jonathan Taylor should say, all right, <laughs> see you guys. Peace. Yeah. Real. Finally, 8 o'clock delight. Greg. Oh, shoot. J.K. Dobbins is on the PUP list, but John Harbaugh and his sneaky John Harbaugh way kind of made it obvious it might be a holdout situation that you got to ask J.K. about. You're not getting a contract either, buddy. Uh, Buda Baker is in camp, got a little extra money, got an incentive, so no holdout there. Good job Uh, by you. Cowboy safety Donovan Wilson is out four to six weeks. Ooh, he just got paid too. Uh, There you go. Jalen Ramsey got carted off the field in Dolphins camp. We don't know too much about that, but it's a little scary. Yikes. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, Trigger Trey of Saints fame, gets a one-year uh, tacked onto his career. And then John Ross, the, the number nine overall pick of uh, what draft was that? 2017. Yep. One pick ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Ow, you him. pointed that out. Sorry to take your nuts. No, that's okay. Uh, he was ready to fire that one. No, that, I mean, that's, that draft had very few wide receivers. He was the only one in the first round. Cooper Cup went in the third, though. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a classic redraft scenario. It's a good first round in general. But not for the Bengals. They mm. never did the old redraft on NFL.com. Always seemed fun. Nice exercise. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with the new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com Toyota, let's go places What's up, I'm John Wall And I'm CJ Toledano and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone please welcome Coach John Calipari We're getting beat by 18, my first game in Kentucky, they're saying Cal's a bust, he can't coach, this is crazy, John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater Yep. You remember that, John? My first game winner ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my, my dance, dance. <laughs> Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. 
See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at tmobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. All right. Um, before we get to uh, our conversation piece today, which is our favorite rivalries heading into 2023, uh, let's start with, um, as promised, long teased, Mark, our uh, conversation on the Netflix series <laughs> Quarterback, uh, the eight-part series, uh, Omaha Productions. It's Peyton Manning. He's the executive producer of this project in conjunction with NFL kind films. of on fire. Like he does the a nice pod, job. Does the podcast at ESPN building something quietly. It's... And what is quarterbacks? If you haven't watched it or quarterback, it is a uh, study of three uh, professional passers in the NFL at different levels in their career. Patrick Mahomes, the great Patrick Mahomes, Kirk cousins over the, of the Vikings and Marcus Mariota in his final season with the Falcons. So let's get into it, Mark. Well, no, all right. So, uh, you know, well, to be real what? with you, I, t- I told you that um, I knew I was on vacation with family last week. Yes. And I went, the minute this started to percolate and everyone's talking about it, I'm getting DMs about this show. I was like, oh, I, I'm like, just like, DMs. well, no, I'm hoping I'm hoping that you guys discussed it while I was gone. Because it's like I don't have the bandwidth to watch eight episodes right now on, the, on this vacation or suddenly do it all in one day. Um, and I just decided I made this decision. Uh, well, a couple things. Like, I just made the decision at one point. I'm not doing it. Um, no harm, no foul. I'm happy for Peyton Manning. I'm just not going to do it. And this, like, wave of freedom came over me. But I did add it to my list of, um, you know, everyone's these shows that everyone's telling me I have to go watch. That I have, it's, it's, here, it's somewhere on this list. I will watch Quarterback after The Wire, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, Big Love, The Shield, Deadwood, Dexter, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Freaks and Geeks, then quarterback. Oh, um, okay. And I'm not going to, I want you to feel free to discuss this wonderful series the way that you wish. Yeah. So I'm going to hard out of this, seri- of this t- conversation, but I want to leave you with Connor Orr's comments from a couple days ago about this, because this is what sent me on this journey of not caring. By the way, later this week, <laughs> we will offer some of our thoughts about quarterback, the Netflix series that involves Patrick Mahomes prominently. Have you been watching that, Connor? No, because I think ninety percent of that is just terrible bullshit. <laughs> like it, it, it's just like, it, it, you know, like all this stuff about like oh inside the mind of a quarterback. Like he memorizes plays and throws the ball, and it's like yeah, man. And we work out hard at what we have to do. Like yeah. we're all amazing. All right, all right. So enjoy it. All right. Mark, Mark's leaving. Mark's the room. out. He's taken off his. Uh, a, a big headset. spectacle of himself about this. It seems he's left uh, the cat computer. He's gonna have to come back for the segment. But the, for now, I don't. Know, the door closes slowly, so like it was awkward. Is it? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, because again, I th- I was said on the other show. Like I, am I just a goober for being into this content? Is it a cool thing not to watch? Like to watch this? No, I think I it's gotten. Maybe uh, is it edgy to skip out on this? No, I think it's gotten different reactions, but I think it's got a lot of fans. It's done by NFL. I sure like them quarterbacks. I can't watch. I can't wait to watch this show. Did NFL films make it or they just use the NFL films? It It, wasn't clear to me. It has a very the aesthetic. Right. And and of course, if you use NFL films footage, it's going to have that. Mm-hmm. But there's something about it that feels rather hard knocks ish. I mean, they they yes. produced it. They were one of the three production. They were companies. definitely part of it. But so, it's if um, just to give you because, you know, I was doing some research on it and 
NFL Films is, wasn't actively promoting it in the same way that Omaha mm-hmm. Productions Twitter okay. handle was promoting. It doesn't really matter. We're in the weeds a little bit. Um, so, but while Mark is taking his break, I um, I want to share my thoughts on it because I I loved it from the perspective of learning more about uh, Mahomes and Cousins, uh, and I thought that was really interesting. Some of the other stuff, I um, the the structure of it, it was maybe familiar to other programs you've watched in the past, but. I think Mahomes, I'll start with Mahomes, and I'm curious what you guys think. Like, I found him to be so interesting in how unassuming he is. There's nothing for a guy that has had the level of success and the greatness. Um, there's nothing that feels like mythological about him or awe-inspiring. Uh, the way he walks, his talk, his, he talks, his stature, the way he carries himself. He's not like, there was a moment in the, when they get into the AFC title game uh, and they show Burrow walking in, and he's all swaggy, and and he just has this look and this aura about him. Mahomes to me doesn't have that, and yet he goes out there, and he is arguably on pace to be the greatest quarterback ever. So I thought it was kind of cool how to see someone this special, yeah, uh, be I don't want to say normal because there's nothing normal about Patrick Mahomes, but seem like a relatable regular dude, and not it's almost um, it was kind of jarring to me to see him not be this bigger-than-life figure uh, in the context that we get to know him in the show. He carries being Patrick Mahomes pretty lightly, considering how difficult that is, I think, for a lot of people. Like, I don't think a Tom Brady could have invited cameras in at this stage of his career and been comfortable about that. And there's a story how Peyton Manning kind of convinced Mahomes didn't want to do it, and Manning did it, just thought it would be a really interesting exercise. And I thought about that because I think... I, I understand why Jalen Hurts would say no. I w- would understand why anyone would say no. But I can also see why Mahomes is uniquely able to just say yes because, like, he's so comfortable in his own skin and that he can handle anything because everything is going on around him. There's He's got his family. He's got his, his brother is a little bit of a, you know, issue. and it's different. Pops, everything's happening. Uh, he's got he's got being Patrick Mahomes, and he, he – Carries it all is just like, well, of course, this is what I'm doing. And uh, you're right. I think it, it gave a good look into that. I haven't finished. I have to admit, I have not finished it yet. But I'm. I finished it. This I don't have like a hot take on it. That's I mean, sometimes you don't have to tweet about something. Mine is like, it's pretty enjoyable watch. It's like a perfect thing to watch while you're like eating lunch. It's like maybe you're not. gonna I'm not going to carve out 9 to 10 p.m. to sit and watch it necessarily. But I'm going to get through it because there's enough interesting parts about it. I enjoy it. I think the the only I don't really have a hot take. I think Dan may be expecting you to have one. No, I don't. I don't. Know why everybody thinks they have no. to have a hot take. No, no. Well, no. It's I just know. like in the in the context because I've seen it about a few criticisms about all three of these guys. Right. Right. Um, people who generally are very very critical of Kirk Cousins have come away saying. Oh, well, you know, I feel better about Kirk now. Well, yeah. that's, I, I think that's what context does. And it's not like perfect context because this is like produced for these sure. quarterbacks, right? And they do want people to be a part of it. But I, I think maybe the takeaway some people should have is, well, as as good of a job that folks do in NFL media do and as good of a job as the teams do, maybe there is information that I don't necessarily have access to when I'm making judgments about these particular people. And maybe I should give be a little more lenient, like the the Mariota situation about quitting on the team and, and all those things, because like I, I think that's come up a few times where the team always wants you to have surgery on your time, right? Don't have surgery on our time, on the team time, right? Like like a Michael Thomas type situation. 
but but it's like, well, if I'm looking out mm. for myself and my body, should, if I'm gonna get cut anyway, yeah, like shouldn't I have the surgery now if I want to play next year? Versus like, I'm gonna. Oh, I I disagree with you guys on that. I think Mariota. I felt for Mariota a little bit because it was clear. And it makes sense. He put all of his eggs in the 2022 Falcons basket. And he talks about that as the season's beginning and ramping up and they have a little bit of success at the end of September. And, you know, he had this golden opportunity to be a starter again, this former Heisman Trophy winner who was a number two overall pick and it hadn't really worked out. And now here it was out in front of him again. And when it goes sideways, um, you know, I, I, I see they go into the bye week and he gets bench during the bye week a day after his baby's born and that's an emotional time for anyone um his head coach says listen he there's nothing going on with his knee that has restricted him uh this season in terms of practice and games mm. and he just took off and went back to vegas and you know you had a young quarterback on that roster that was now becoming the starter i it actually surprised me based on basically how i portrayed saw him in, in relation to cousins mahomes is a guy that maybe the passion's not at the same level and I was a little surprised that the Eagles then jumped at him and, and brought him back in, be, brought him in there. Even at the end of the last episode, he says he has a quote where he says, I was really hoping for something West. I was trying to come back closer to home, but Philadelphia was very supportive. I just don't know if he's like the dude that's really all about ball and and leaving that team. Mm. It's just, I think, something you don't do. And he did it. I think it's going to be a lot harder for him to get this opportunity if if he waits to have surgery four months ago, right? Like if he doesn't the do the surgery, what kind of surgery was it? I don't. It was a meniscus surgery, right? Right. Um, and so, like, we talk about timelines and like the severity of surgery. It's still surgery, you know. Like, right. I I don't think people are necessarily doing it for fun. Right. <laughs> Arthur Smith, I I guess, was putting it like he could play through it and then have surgery later. But he needed he, he needed, also left the team. He was he just gone. Yeah. Flew back to Vegas. And that was the end of his connection to the Falcons. The big the big winner is absolutely Kirk Cousins. Like he he just comes across very likable. It's interesting to like I, I haven't watched the whole series The the episode on them playing through pain and they tried to structure it in a way where there were different themes. And I, I think there were some benefits of that. And there were some negatives. Like one was like the mental side of it. One was like playing through injuries and everything, but you just see how much it means to Kirk cousins. And he's, he's a very likable person in general. And you see how good, a, I think a, how he communicates with everyone around him. That's something I wouldn't have understood. Like his, his coaches, Kevin O'Connor, Connell, but I, uh, I just love him in general, and he comes off... I like uh, their relationship. Yeah, he comes real, off yeah. really really good in this, too. The, the trick is, to what you said earlier, Patrick, is like it is it, it does feel a little infomercially even more than a hard knocks I feel like does. Like, it just could have been much shorter. That's all. It's like I don't need Patrick Mahomes for five minutes at a, an amusement park playing with his kids. There's nothing interesting about that. So you're asking someone to watch that, and it's like, there's there's nothing compelling about that. And there's just a few too many items of that. Just like we're having a barbecue, but like nothing, there's no dynamics within that barbecue that were interesting either. So it's just like, was eight hours? <laughs> so it's like, it could have been three hours. You know, it could have been like four hours or something. Well, some people might like seeing that more. I like it, but stuff. I guess like I, you could pick and choose because there were parts yeah. where they featured their private life that were <laughs> compelling and interesting, but it was like eight hours is... You know, it's like the whole Godfather series. It, I saw Florio said it's immediately the most inter the most important and um, 
like compelling, you know, NFL show there is. And I, I would argue. Well, I he's argue, a Vikings fan. I would argue against that because I, I don't think it's giving you as as uh, like real a look as. as I kind of yeah, I think but like, I think it was entertaining, too. I'm not I'm not pooping on it. I just wish it was a little shorter. Pooping. In terms of the, the mic'd up stuff on the field, like we get that. Like films is doing that stuff right. all the yeah. time, and and I think it's the best part. Like the the O'Connell cousins interaction during the Bills game, where Kirk is getting beat up. Like Ed Oliver landed on his ribs, mm. and his ribs were already bruised, and he's having trouble breathing. And O'Connell's like, "You okay?" He's like, "No, I'm hurt." Yeah, <laughs> and he, like, where that's, he, that's where, real. And there was that's, one where he kind of gets mad at Kirk fritzing out on a play call, essentially, and Kirk kind of audibling into a sneak that leads to a, a bad. You know, yeah, stuff, and it was so yeah. funny because Kirk was saying his Against his dad's scouting report of him back when Kirk was like a high school player is the same thing now. And even in this show, you can see maybe what prevents Kirk from being even another level. I mean, he's maxed out his career pretty well, but he's so hard on himself. He's always kind of revisiting all the things he, he does wrong that you almost feel like that that is a weakness maybe that maybe the greats aren't quite like that like he's always beating himself up and sort of revisiting in the moment what he's doing wrong like he can't totally let go and you see that a little bit here is uh cousins uh looking he was looking at the his dad was uh i believe he was his coach in high school and um sharing kind of an end the end of the season progress report which he did for all of his players including his own son he said to work on you need to be a more vocal leader uh, your footwork needs to get better. And so it's funny because if you were to give this to a scout on the Vikings right now, they'd probably say that that's pretty accurate <laughs> to this day. You know, 20 years later, I was 14 when he wrote this. And uh, then he wrote at the end, he said, Kirk, if you keep developing, you could someday be an all-conference and maybe even an all-state player in high school. And I remember when my dad wrote that, and I thought, wow, my dad thinks I could someday be an all-state football player. I mean, that's, that's big time, I remember thinking to be All-State. And what's interesting is I didn't make All-State. <laughs> I uh, wasn't that good. As I guess as a father of two boys, that, that gets me a little bit. And I, I just have some for cousins before we move on. And Mark, you could come back in whenever you want to. <laughs> uh, I have so much respect for anyone who could reach the absolute like ceiling of their potential and maybe even clear it a little bit. And because Cousins doesn't have the greatest size or strongest arm or most athleticism. He isn't, you know, in terms of personality traits, it's not what you say is like what you're looking for necessarily in a franchise QB one, but it's clear and you see it in this series and you see it in his production in his career that he works his ass off. He's passionate about what he does. He's tough as hell. He's real. And I think that's one thing you kind of, this series helped for me is see with him. Like we, we kind of see Kirk cousins, like, oh, is he somebody to take seriously? He's so confident in who he is. And even if that's not the archetypal quarterback, his players, his teammates like him, you could tell, because they know he's an authentic person, literally, you know, at ease with who he is. And I think it's easy to admire him. And it just will change, Mark, not that because a lot of those things you mentioned, by the way, I would watch before this also, like The Wire, for instance. My order of shows. That. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, like cut, I feel like, like I feel like Big Love was like a little high on the list. That's a little high. I do like Paxton. Um, rest in peace. Uh, but cousins, I'm like, I feel like going into a season, this is a nice, like pump up primer for the season. And I'm looking forward to following Kirk cousins career more now after watching. That. So, uh, you know, being back there, number one, I, I kind of enjoyed listening to this podcast versus being on it. That was, <laughs> that was kind of enjoyable, but like, good um, pod. it yeah. could be arranged. We wouldn't want that to happen, right. but no, yeah, that could be the, the, the end, the end game. But like, uh, I, I, I would say ultimately <laughs> that, um, uh, 
the Cousins clip, I mean, yeah, it affects me. It changes how I think about him. But there also was a, a request um, from... Maybe not as much as the Deadwood premiere would hit with you, but I don't know that's yet. A, that's high yeah. on my list. Yeah. I, I haven't see. seen yeah. Deadwood. That's a good point. There mean. was a request um, to maybe weigh in just for a minute about his out- selecting his outfits, and there was a series where Kirk Cousins... His, his a request... From the, uh, behind the glass, it's oh. like a little there bit more talk about his clothing and his fashion. Oh, like well, his, his wife picks out his Patagonia stuff, and that's fine. you know it's fine. Oh, oh I did. That was one other thing I wanted to share. Shout out to Brittany, Julia, and Kiyomi. Yeah, they all Good. come off. Great. Nice job. Great job by the wives. No, I heard a different tale about um, the Mahomes uh, individual. No, I think the family's come off really well. Okay. There's, there's, I, a... I, 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 I didn't see it, so it's not. Wait, you a... didn't see it? No, I. T- <laughs> There's a dedicated subset of people that I think because of Jackson, maybe mainly that like Britney's never going to make a comeback in their eyes. Like it doesn't matter how positive anything portrays them. Like there are people that I, that's stupid. Like she seemed there. very supportive and very knowledgeable of his career. And like when his injury, that guy won the Super Bowl, by the way, on one leg. All right. Quick program note. We are undefeated when it comes to timing. About an hour after we taped our Thursday podcast, the news came out of Cincinnati that Joe Burrow had suffered a calf injury and was carted to the locker room. As of this time, we don't know how serious the injury is. When we recorded the second part of the podcast, we didn't even know an injury existed because it hadn't happened yet. Freaky, huh? Anyway, we'll have more on the Burrow situation on our next podcast. But for now, here's a conversation about Burrow, at least in part. Enjoy. And that, that, let me seg now into our conversation on rivalries, because let's start with um, Mahomes and Burrow. Um, oh, that's good. Uh, because that dude, that unassuming um, all-time quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, his ankle was destroyed against the Jaguars, and he just gutted through the end of that season and beat Trevor Lawrence, then beat Burrow, then beat Jalen Hurts in his dream season, um, doing it on one leg. and. I found it so interesting when Burrow and the Bengals beat the Chiefs earlier in the season. And uh, what was it the third time they beat? They beat them in the yeah. AFC title game the year before. It's three in a row. Three in a row. And you had all that stuff about Burrowhead and Joe Burrow owns the Chiefs and Patrick owns. It's his time to step down and it's Burrow's time. And I was part of that chorus uh, in January saying this is Burrow's year. And then what does Mahomes do on one leg? He finds a way and wins that game and then wins the Super Bowl. Um, but it also reminded me they did play it in quarterback. Can we get the uh, Travis Kelsey who deserves a medal for this? I don't know, just like a gold medal for the post game <laughs> presser immediately after the AFC title game. Um, and 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 as well as just great uh, television, amped up this rivalry even more. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I just want to thank God, man. Uh, love it. Uh, right before that interview with Tracy Wilson of CBS, uh, and you saw this on uh, quarterback Mahomes and Burrow after the game, and Mahomes is repeatedly saying many more, Doug. I think it is. I think this is the best rivalry since uh, Peyton and Brady. Mm. And just this week, Greggy, uh, f- uh, for the uh, desert heads out there, uh, Burrow surpassed Mahomes. Um, he's now plus 600. For, uh, to win NFL MVP over Mahomes at 650. And it's just wow. like the two guys that are seen that as the best quarterbacks in the sport. I would take that Mahomes number every year. So would I. Yes. Career, including uh, last year, by the way. You guys got on me for picking him as MVP before the year. Congratulations on that. <laughs> anyway, so they've squared off in each of the last two AFC title games. 
I hope it's not the last of it, and I don't think it will be. I think it's the best rivalry in the sport. Uh, both team, Chiefs, Bengals, and quarterbacks, Mahomes, Burrow. I'll, I'll give you a – sometimes, you know, conflict can be man versus self. And, like, the rivalry that I feel kind of growing – because I almost put Chiefs, Bengals, Bills as this um, triumvirate yes. atop the AFC yes. where it's like – I could see the Bills in some world coming out of this, but my rivalry right now, this, the way I feel, because I think a year ago, you just ticket the Bills for 13, 14 wins in an AFC title game appearance. They seemed like that team in the AFC, because we were questioning what would happen to the Chiefs a year ago. But right now, I think it's the Bills versus a mounting sense of internal dread and just basic dread. And I just feel... Bills v. thyself. Exactly. Dread. Man versus self. That's I think a tough one. That the, I, what I don't feel this way about the Chiefs, there's incredible optimism. No matter what the challenge is, you trust the coach and the quarterback to work their way out of it. We already saw that all last year. Um, Bengals, to me, sky's the limit um, for just the reasons you mentioned, because of the quarterback, because it's you, we've never seen a Bengals team like this. Something about the Bills feels a little snake bit and a little ominous. And I don't have proof of what's going to come next, but I just think that's going to be a theme. They went through it last year. I think the emotional weight of last season caught up to them by the end for a lot of reasons. They also were incredibly resilient. Josh Allen became a leader. Um, but I just think this year is going to be a little bit different for Buffalo in, inside a very tough division. You know, and I, I agree, and that almost makes me think, hmm, maybe this is the year they surprise people because it always seems like the year everyone thinks one. Like, last year was not supposed to be the Chiefs. Right. But Tom Brady's first year with Tampa was not supposed to be the Bucks year. That was supposed to be, like, the year they build up to that. And we're all thinking about this because that is the right answer in terms of just, like, right now, what's the rivalries that define the NFL? And I think rivalries are why football, American football, is – a better sport, frankly, than the other most popular American sports. Or it's one reason they're more popular, I think, than the NBA and basketball because rivalries are so important within the division. And then you get these, like, like Bills-Chiefs is an incredible rivalry. When the Bills beat the Chiefs early last season, it really uh, felt like a moment. You know, like they had uh, gotten over some hump and that those playoff losses that they had are insane. But then you think about Bengals Chiefs, and then you just sort of think all of Mahomes' rivalries. He, he has a rivalry with, with Allen. He obviously has one with Burrow. Every time him and Justin Herbert play, it's like the Chargers just kind of play the Washington Generals. But all those games are amazing, and both quarterbacks always play amazing. Herbert's but numbers versus Kansas City are insane. Tellingly, Mahomes says after the Jaguars win, when he's back at his house with his family, uh, someone at this party says to him, who would you rather play? And he says he wants Cincinnati like he respects mm. Buffalo, but it's the, the Bengals that he wants mm. like that. I I thought I thought it was the Bills. It was a, it was a weird season for Buffalo and nearly like a horrifically tragic one, obviously, uh, with DeMar Hamlin. But I thought when they lost at home in the snow to Cincinnati, um, they fell behind. And I view them kind of outside of those big two now. Uh, but it's, you could easily see it the other way around. I guess the thing is, when you have greatness and we've gone from one dynasty that's never had anything like it in the NFL history, the Patriots, where we got most of the best rivalries involved the Patriots for a while. And we segued with an actual game right into the Chiefs having all the best rivalries. I mean, Mahomes, to me, his most incredible season was his first as a starter. And Belichick really prevented them from from getting that trophy or Tom Brady did. So like even Mahomes, Belichick, I'm glad they're playing this year. That's a rivalry. All the Chiefs rivalries are the best because they're the best. Yeah, the, the feeling about Buffalo, it's hard for, I think, especially me, and, and I know for a lot of people, to get that image of Buffalo in the snow just getting trounced and ran out of their own building. And, mm. and that, that 
like that influences expectations, but we have these discussions coming into every season and it seems like the folly of expectations shouldn't like we should realize that they went 13 and three last year. Like the things we expect aren't necessarily going to happen. Right. And so like, I, I think Buffalo could be fine, but it could also go horribly wrong. And unfortunately due to the nature of the game, it could be like that for the chargers. It could be like that for the Bengals. It could be like that for the chiefs. Like we don't want to see it. But I, I think the thing that I love about the Burrow-Mahomes situation is, and it may happen, but right now there's no like, oh, Joe Burrow can't win the big game or any dumb like that. Like, people are recognizing, like, these guys are good. Like, Aaron Donald makes a play or Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey make a play. And it doesn't, like, define careers. Like, they just lost. And I'm glad that we haven't had the dumb stuff yet. And like he, the, Mahomes is the oldest of the three, including Josh Allen, and he's 27. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and, Mark, to your point about the Bills, I think it was an episode you weren't here last month. Uh, we did the urgency scale. I had the Bills at a perfect 10.0. That's how I like, feel this about This is them. such a uh, tremendously important year in the history of the organization because I think there is part of that dread uh, is was that window, was it? in the last couple of years and we didn't get it done at home in January the previous year we the 13 second game like was that the window where this team was But isn't that it? sort of what we're saying is it's like I could project the Chiefs making four or five Super Bowls over the next 7 or 8 years I I would have no problem with that Bengals sure I mean as long as they can continue to you know keep the roster together but the Bills to me feel like the window is slowly hmm. closing Which might be unfair because it, like, it might be. Allen is be- still young and he's got 15 years, 10, 15 years ahead of them. They could reload as well. But maybe it's this core. And then, I don't know. I felt strongly entering this past season that they were the team. Now there's a little doubt around them. Maybe that's not the worst thing, Patrick. How about you? Rivalry. Favorite? Are we going? What, what order are we Whatever going? You Anything like. you want. Okay, so one rivalry that jumps out to me that is is bananas because we just talked about Salah and Sean Payton and like it feels like there's actual animosity there at this point. Tua Tungvaloa and Justin Herbert are two of the nicest people on planet Earth. They would never say a foul thing about literally anybody, but their fan bases are so passionate <laughs> that true. this thing has been created off of pure conversation about who should have been drafted where, who's the better quarterback. It's the and best like, thing that ever happened to Emmanuel Acha. You ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. <laughs> that is so cringe. <laughs> I just remembered how I, I, I literally... You ain't, bro. Cringe. You break. ain't popping, bro, if you ain't got no haters. Yikes. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a it's a sign of one how like annoying conversations can be but also how much energy and attention it generates for the game mm. because these two guys like literally wouldn't hurt a fly <laughs> like they would never say a cross thing about anybody but I'm I'm excited about this game like this has been years in the making and I'm not excited about all the things that people are going to say about it but I, I'm just I'm glad that we have these guys and I'm glad we have people and it's who week one make this thing so. you know what the if you don't want too much attention on that, and I think you're right, the build-up to the game will get a lot, and the postscript will get a lot. Uh, but the fact that it's week one, it's not in a primetime spot, and it's actually opposite the Tony Romo Nance game in week one. We've already seen the the assignments of announcers. Nothing made me feel like football was back more than Let's hear them. CBS what do we got? out the announcers. Uh, I will, Never too soon to I'll, talk about I'll it. bring them up, but I know that Romo and Nance are on Eagles-Patriots at 425. And Packers Bears is also on Fox <laughs> at 4:25. So you're you're uh, you're burying Dolphins Chargers there in a relatively 
big spot. We, I also, we need to send the top team to cover the Patriots. I remember Charles oh, Davis uh, is on Bengals Browns because I just remember thinking, oh, Mark will, and if he wants to watch that. He, Here we go down we, this road we, again. We all enjoy uh, Charles Davis and Ian Eagle, and I was like, oh, that'll be a pleasant uh call just an option that game i will watch all the games so i will right. i will watch but that I, specifically t- that will be a choice for you that yeah you well patrick i i'm so with you on the um the the fact that the two quarterbacks probably could be best pals yeah. and go on endless road trips but that was a with their prime time encounter last similar. year It'd be too quiet you know i would it would i wouldn't want to watch it but that's another <laughs> show i wouldn't watch but uh it, that was a dark night for x aka twitter uh that whole clash they had on in prime time aka twitter <laughs> All right, let's pause here for one second. Promo, baby. Football's back. Celebrate by watching as teams across the league take the field for training camp back together weekend presented by YouTube. With two full days of practices, player interviews, mic'd up moments, and fan fests across the league, it's a can't-miss NFL reunion. NFL Network and NFL Plus have you covered with coverage on Saturday, July 29th and Sunday, July 30th with additional coverage on ABC and ESPN. Go to NFL.com slash Back Together Weekend for ways to watch. While we're here, let's take a quick break and we'll get back to more rivalry talk. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my dance, bro. (laughs) Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at tmobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. All right, we're back. I, um, I'm going to go with essentially Raiders versus everyone. Now, below that, 
it's it's Al Davis. Al Davis and the Davises versus the NFL. I mean, that's the ultimate rivalry is they hated each other, him and Pete Rozelle, the commissioner. I mean, they, they lived up to their name. Uh, they merged, like he got this merger. He wanted to have this big spot in the NFL. Roselle ended up burying him, taking him off the competition committee. They hated each other. Like the Raiders and the NFL always were getting at each other. They were truly renegades. And then they tried to not let him go to Oakland. They sued the NFL. They actually won. They basically hated themselves until the end of Roselle's career. Roselle said when he retired, one of the reasons he was retiring was Al Davis was such a pain in his ass all that time. Fast forward to like Mark Davis, and we still got problems. We still got the NFL, um, rightfully, but uh, being involved in a situation where John Gruden's career ends with the Raiders, and there's still tension here. Oh, uh, they wouldn't let him go to L.A. either. Right. Where their biggest fan base is. Between Al Davis and everything. There's still all this stuff. And then I think Mark Davis is is definitely more genial. But then I thought about it, and it's like everyone thinks they have a rivalry with the Raiders. Like, Chargers games are different when the Raiders show up. It's like, oh, oh no. Like, Raiders fans are showing up. You saw it on quarterback. Like, the Chiefs actually consider the Raiders their biggest rival. Broncos kind of feel that way. It is kind of amazing that they've Well, you got to track some of the history of the game, too. These are AFL teams. Exactly. They, They killed each other in the 60s and then merged, and that stuff leaves a long tail. But the fact that the Raiders specifically have been able to maintain this despite 20 years of sub mediocrity is pretty impressive that just like as even though they've been bad they still are sort of the team everyone around them and the nfl like are they kind of like I the cowboys of the afc in yeah. a way that they, they have the branding and yeah they're just something special about them even if they haven't been special well i did that time. like um back when we used to write like long articles like uh you still can by the way i know well no i feel i feel it's very possible but i had the assignment to cover the last game in oakland um, but before it was a, it was a feature on talking to like twenty different Raiders, and I came away with it being like, yeah, just to your point that there is a Cowboys like aura to. I mean, not that I didn't know that before, but just to see that these players who hadn't been on the field in twenty five years, one guy, I, a couple of them just getting angrier and angrier on the phone talking about games from you know two and a half decades ago is like. There is nothing like the Raiders. They're AFC West fans th- hate the Raiders still, yeah. even though they've been bad forever, which I love. Just think about how rewarding to see your your byline on NFL.com. There's nothing putting like in it. the work. There's putting, nothing like it. Doing the twenty thousand words. Yeah. Letting the audience see your gift uh, for writing the craft. It's you could do that again. I think what I'm doing is if there's too much of it. There's no need. So if I wait seven or eight years to do another one, right. then there will be that appropriate need. Make them want it. Yeah. Terrence Malick. Wait, what's the historical one you were referring to earlier? I was hoping I would. Uh, it was it. very much um, something that Wes and I used to talk about all the time. Because before Wes dispatched the Bengals, he, back in the days of Sam Weish, um, in the old AFC Central, which all those teams hate. Talk about teams. There was no friendliness between. They all hated each other. But it never peaked more between the old Oilers and Bengals than was mm. Jerry Glanville, who was, um, I found him to be highly annoying as a Browns fan, um, but entertaining years later just to see he was a truly strange character. And Sam Weish, these guys hated each other. And uh, I'll never forget this one game, 1989, when the Bengals, at the height of their disdain for the Oilers and Sam Weish's hatred of Jerry Glanville, who he was, what he represented, the kind of teams that he put on the field, um, they beat the Oilers 61-7, to and there's an incredible story on The Athletic about this um, where they were up 31-0 and went forward on, third, on fourth down. Um, they recovered an onside kick 
leading 49 nothing, and then kept throwing wow. the ball nonstop. That's awesome. Okay. That's what we need. Right. Sean they, Payton, we, you got to level up. That's son. the yeah. thing. That makes me excited for Jets Broncos because they ran a fake reverse after that. The score was 58 to seven at one point with 30 seconds to go, and they kicked a 30 yard field goal to make yes. it 61 to seven. And then Sam Weish in the post game. There's a great oral history on this on the, on the Athletic, and. He blew the doors down and went on like a 25-minute tirade about the person of Jerry Glanville, the football coach Jerry Glanville, what he produced, what the Oilers represented in football. And Sam Weiss was one of the most charitable, kind people. Everyone thinks that you don't live in Cleveland, but that there was this whole aside to him where he was a Bill Walsh disciple who was involved behind the scenes and helping so many different people. But Glanville just got under him, and he could not, he could never calm down when they played the Oilers. And it was one of the, one of the more delicious rivalries mm. that's sort of forgotten right now. I love that one. That reminds me of the Belichick-Titans game where they put like 60 on him in the snow. And, it was, and he tried to pretend it wasn't partly because he didn't like Jeff Fisher. It was like, absolutely, you're calling. Uh, I think they called a play where it was like a – like where you handed it off to the wide receiver who threw it back to the quarter to Brady. It was like 49 to six. It's like, but those games, you remember them. Like, Think about uh, there's this. nothing wrong with a little blowout. It's to, fun. To tie it together, think about if um, Rodgers is having one of those Sundays where he's like in the Jordan shoulder shrug mode and everything he throws is right on the money. After Peyton went after his good buddy mm-hmm. Hackett and Sala, what you heard from Sala there, oh, that would be delicious to see my Jets run up the score on Peyton's ass. Wh- Whoever is leading, if they can, they will be trying in that game. I'm with you. Mm. I feel like you're going to be drafting that game number one potentially that week. Potentially. It's in the it's in the running for me, yeah. I think you got Are we Patrick, allowed to take Jets games from you? This take year? as many as you want. Okay. I'm watching it regardless. Except that one. <laughs> I, think th- I think they're going to give you that one. Um, Patrick. All right. Um, popped in my head. It's the – it's an old rivalry, but – I think it still exists because there's back and forths as the story continues to get told. Uh, Golden Tate versus Percy Harvin. It's still going. Wait, (laughs) it's still happening? I love this. Specifically because it fulfills my agenda. And and that's why I will take the opportunity to talk about it. Uh, For those who don't know, uh, the Seahawks are about to play the Broncos in the Super Bowl. Uh, there's a conversation about whether or not Percy Harvin's going to play. Golden Tate is like, whatever, it doesn't matter. We didn't need Percy to win the last game. Percy didn't like it. Uh, it, Through Percy's telling of the story and Cliff Averill's and several other people, uh, Percy punches him in the face. Golden Tate ends up in the trash can. They go and win the Super Bowl. In the trash can? In the trash can. (laughs) Wait, he like fell into a trash can? He he wound up in the trash can. Again, that's that's Percy's telling. What a great punch. Uh, Golden denies that, but the way that it fulfills my agenda is – these guys didn't like each other. There was literally a fight. It wasn't a distraction. They blew the Broncos out. <laughs> Harvin was awesome. Percy Harvin had to play the game. Yeah, like yeah. all you have to do is execute. Like you could mm. not like people, whatever. They went out there and did it. And that's why I love the rival. The fact that they're like all beaten and bruised and out of the league now and still still talking about it. I love it. I love that you say this fulfills your agenda. It does. I, I, it what confirms is the, my prior. What is the agenda? What is the agenda? Just if, be clear if, to me. If you play and you play well then you're going to win. Like, it won't be a distraction. Like, you don't have to get along. Fair like, enough. There's no human emotion you, involved in any you, of this. No, you can yeah. do it. Yeah. I don't think you needed receipts on that one. <laughs> and, well, I mean, it's it's constantly argued against me. But it, it, either way, like, you can do it with NFL 
films watching and there could be quarterback there could be wide receiver documentary but as long as you go out there and do what you're supposed to do you're probably gonna win well that one on my long list was was russell wilson versus the legion of boom which never ends like no they they enjoyed let it go they enjoyed it so much last year like it still feels like it's going on so that was that was that team and there's and like it was all about like who gets the credit which is where a lot of this stuff starts people want people want the credit yeah and yeah, that team, it's kind of crazy. They only won the one Super Bowl as stacked as they were. The play with Malcolm Butler. That is maybe ground zero for the heat that will forever be between Russell Wilson and the play caller and that defense. All because it. Dante Hattower made an incredible play on the play before. He did. Took down Marshawn Lynch. Uh, you got one more guy? Mm, what should I pick here? Um Let's go. Let's give McVay versus Shanahan because they're playing twice a year. We we had Jordan Rodriguez on. We didn't really talk too much about the playmakers, but we did. But man, you really get the feel of how weird and complicated that rivalry is. And yes, McDaniel and Lafleur are kind of in the mix, but it's really more about Sean McVay and Shanahan. And to the point where they're obviously copying each other on certain things and watching each other, but that they know that the other guy knows that they're watching and so that they're too prideful to exactly copy it. And they just do some BS cosmetic change where like, <laughs> we'll use a tight end on this sweep where it's a receiver so that it's a little different so that it's us. And like, it's really ours. And I love that because it's one of my favorite parts of the whole thing is how they all take stuff from each other. And I, I love that because they're doing it for just each other. Cause the rest of us, Noobs, we don't we don't know all that, but they know that Sean McVay is going to be watching them on tape and think like, oh, they stole it from us. And so it's just this totally petty thing back and <laughs> forth. And it was so complicated because you understand like their friendship, whatever it is, their respect is on hold. They kind of they respect each other, but they don't like each other. I mean, Mike McDaniel used the word exploited to talk about his relationship with Kyle Shanahan, which was kind of like a little hmm. thing, thing he threw in there. And it's all very complicated. LaFleur was just kind of like, I like everybody, you know, it's, it's, it's Keep sort of to the side of everything. He's like, uh, he's like, I don't take it. He actually says, I have no ego. And I was like, okay, I kind of believe it with him. But that that's like a fun element. And they're playing twice a year. Now I'm going to have a better context uh, to use your word. Patrick, when I when I watch those matches, I, I think of the game where Shanahan, when they bl- like blew the doors off the Rams and had that like sixteen play, eleven minute long drive, where you knew Shanahan was just rolling. And they've basically owned McVay, other than the, much the so. big moment where they didn't. It, it definitely is in McVay's um, craw or whatever you want to say that they've owned McVay. And I, and I wonder how that conversation and getting asked that question before that game so many times <laughs> mm-hmm. has affected their relationship. Yeah. Like I, I think it's probably been tough for Sean. Yeah, and hearing Kyle Shanahan talk about it, especially even in the last week, I mean, that loss to the Rams, like, yeah, he's owned Sean McVay, but McVay won when they won the NFC Championship and actually won the Super Bowl, so. Um, Good stuff. Let's close it out with um, going kind of full circle and Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I pulled the I pulled the numbers just out of curiosity. So Reed is sixty five years old, Belichick seventy one. Um, Belichick has two hundred ninety eight career wins, six sixty two percentage. Reed has two forty seven, six forty one. Wow! So if he just keeps up his close. pace and actually, you know, did the 
coached as long as he as Belichick did. He has a chance. Postseason, Belichick, unbelievable. Thirty-one and thirteen, six Super Bowls. Reed, twenty-two and sixteen. Um, he has two Super Bowl rings. Uh, Belichick has been the head coach of nine Super Bowl teams, six wins. Reed, uh, four Super Bowl teams, two wins. Reed um, is the first coach in NFL history to coach in five consecutive conference championship games. And Belichick right now has him, obviously. Wait, um, well, Belichick did too. He was the first coach in NFL history, I guess. So maybe Belichick was the second. I don't know. No, Belichick went nine straight. Take it up with the Kansas City Chiefs press marketing department. I mean, I'm just saying they went nine straight. Um, Nine straight. Conference championships. But did they go five in a row? Yeah, they went nine straight. That's like to me the most wow that is crazy. the craziest uh, stat of the uh, of the Belichick. So what I'm saying here, um, Belichick obviously is in pole position, and if he finds a way to get one more kind of ride out of his career, it's not even going to be a question. He's going to just basically have every record. But it's interesting with Reed being six years younger, if he could stay healthy and on the sidelines, if he still wants to do it, and Reed seems like a guy who's going to want to coach forever. Um, Patrick Mahomes, as we mentioned earlier in the show, is 27 years old. And I think the next five years are going to be very interesting to see where Reed is then. Because, yes, if we measure it, ultimately, if you want to do a bottom line, you know, six Super Bowls, it's six uh, V two right now. But I don't know what it does. Mahomes have three titles in him. Then mm-hmm. then what's the conversation? I think the rivalry is these guys have a lot of respect for each other. So it's not like uh, not personal. Hate each other. Right, it's right. not personal. But I, I, I'm very interested to see what this looks like when the dust clears and you start to say, uh, Belichick clearly right now the greatest coach ever. Does Reed have a chance to really enter that conversation in a meaningful way? Yeah, he does because I think it's like there's they're flip flopped in a way because Belichick, you know, post Cleveland had Tom Brady right out of the gate a year in, and all that success came. And now we're now we're, now every talking head is like. Is Belichick actually the great coach we think without Tom Brady, which is a ponderous conversation no. to me, but it exists. And then be, there was a long period where can, can Andy Reid be a good coach, but he's, is he truly great? Like, is he a Super Bowl winning guy that does this over and over? It's like, now he's got the quarterback, and yes, he does. Hmm. I apologize. Uh, the Patriots had made eight straight, uh, so that was off. Wrong! I think that they were off. saying Reid achieved it before Belichick, not that alone. Was, was it with the Eagles? Is that what it was? There, I would go or look, but Chiefs? I think that's yeah. what they're that, unless the PR department's just trying to pull a fast one on us, Maybe. which would be more exciting. Did the Eagles make five straight conference championships? Well, they, they definitely, they definitely made four straight. Hmm. He's the only coach to win a hundred games and appear in four consecutive conference championship games with two different there franchises. There you go. And they made five straight now. That's why I was thinking uh, five. Uh, either way, it's going to be tough, but I think it's a great rivalry because to me, it's the best defensive mind of his era, Belichick, of a couple eras, and the best offensive mind and the most influential offensive mind in Andy Reid. And they have come up against each other enough that the respect is massive. They've each had pretty big moments uh, against each other. But to me, it's going to be tough for Andy Reid uh, to pass him. I guess he could he could start just like, he could pass him in wins. He could win more Super Bowls, and then you talk about it. But Reed came up against Belichick in, in such big spots a couple times that their careers would have changed. I'm thinking, of course, the Eagles' Super Bowl appearance after he finally broke through and got there. It was the Patriots' best team ever that that shut them down. And then I'm thinking 2018, which to me, with hindsight, but even at the time, to me, feels like one of the most important games of the last 20 years for the Patriots to get that win on the road in overtime for Brady's last 
Super Bowl in Mahomes' you know, first-year MVP. That was like a, uh, a sliding door type of moment. And Belichick came out on top both those times. I, I think, but e- even in both of those situations, one, one is literally a coin flip. The other is a metaphorical coin flip. Yes. And, and I'm surprised you believe in metaphorical coin flips just based <laughs> on what I know about you. But I'm just saying, like, in terms of the degree of difference, right, between the outcomes and those two things, it it could have it could have gone either way. Like there's universes, right? Yeah, it's and, not sixty one to seven. Yeah, wins wins both of those. Well, games. that one I I truly am with you. If it, the coin had flipped the other way, I think Mahomes would have scored at that point. They he they had a, lights out. Nick. Like Belichick was a great first half plan. They did nothing. It was their worst first half of the year, and then they just they were scoring every time at the end. Maybe if it does get close, right? And Andy Reid and Mahomes win a few more Super Bowls. Maybe the fact that John Harbaugh and Doug Peterson have both won Super Bowls, whereas the Belichick coaching tree is, is mm. kind of floundering. Maybe people make a case there. But hopefully, like, history will be able to be like, hey, both of these guys are really good. Like, we don't have to put, you know, two bad boys against each other. Then Andy Reid retires two seasons from now, and the conversation's right. totally mute, and we seasons. remove it from this episode. And I was going to say, oh, and maybe will they have one more big stage together in January? I think if that happens, Belichick kind of puts it to bed a, a little bit as well, because not that there's any doubting of Belichick, but if, if he's able to big up, build up one more big Patriots team uh, post Brady, it's like, all right, wow. here's your flowers. Here's your lollipops. Good luck, Mac here's Jones. Everything. Would he do that? Like, would Bill leave just to like in a in a Rodgers Packers situation to, to, to say to the boss, like, look at what I can do for somebody else. Like, this is. This is me getting out on my own. Go back to Cleveland. I I'm happy they're on the still pounding that drum schedule. We get it. We get a little Reed Belichick <laughs> this year. Monday night football late in the season. Uh, it's been a minute. You know, it's been a, since we got a little cheese. Hypothetical, Mark. Kraft and Belichick, the egos that can't coexist. It ends after this year. Belichick goes to Cleveland. You want to talk about pomp and circumstance? I have unfinished business here, and grumble, grumble, grumble. I love, always love this place. This is the this is the heart of football, Cleveland, and it's our time. I think Back that in. would that would be He's too uh, nostalgic for me to ignore. Would you write a letter to him? <laughs> this one being answer me this time around. Answer me this time around. I'd probably email him. <laughs> all right, yeah, speed like speed like round here. Speed round to the leftovers. Rap versus Schefter. We hit that this week, but that's clearly. I got rap versus Pellraiser. Okay. That's, In-house heat. That's a huge one. Yeah. Uh, Falcon Saints, I had to at least do. I know you guys didn't want to say Falcons, but Falcon Saints. Remember when Vic flipped them the bird? You probably don't, but there's a no, lot of good stuff there. Um, Raven Steelers. <laughs> I I was trying to think of like a matchup. I couldn't the think whole of plane a matchup. I think Stefan Diggs and Sauce Gardner could develop into one because Sauce Gardner did quite a good job. He gave up one big play against him last year. But other than that, really did a good job on Stefan Diggs. So that's just a matchup I'm looking for. I'm, ex- I'm excited. A little bit. I'm excited for Jets Dolphins this year. Um, yeah, that's, in a way, that's I reignited. Been in many, many years. That's a good rivalry. I, I think at some point, um, Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore are going to play a full game against each other. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to Huge. seeing that happen. It's true. Like the NFL has done a nice job keeping the divisions the same NFC East. AFC East, all, the, all these go back so That's far. a good job by you. I'll give you NFL. a couple with no commentary. Okay, attached, go ahead. All right, Dak Prescott versus Talking Heads. Kind of annoying. It's a good one. Um, Duggan Browns fans versus Jettison Browns fans. They really hate each other online. I've experienced that. Lamar Jackson versus his own body. Um, uh, Kozar versus that's Elway. A rivalry. I mean, that's stupid. <laughs> well, of all people, he's not. The rivalry. Future rivalry. Belichick-McDaniel. They couldn't be more different. I, can't, I, just, I cannot wait to see what happens between... 
Patriots, Dolphins this year. I think it's going to become bigger and bigger. Uh, cynical Jets fans, not you. Yeah. You're, a, you're an optimistic one. Yeah. But Daniel. cynical Jets fans versus themselves this Belichick season. Belichick McDaniel, you said. Mike yes, McDaniel. a future. Not Josh. No, I, Mike I was McDaniel. Josh. Mike, McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. I think that the polar Daniel. opposite nature of the two of them, um, I cannot, there's just too many, this is exciting. Like Dolphins, Patriots has not uh, brought me much joy over the years, but this, now this might. Okay, good. Uh, Aaron Rodgers versus the Packers. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's a pretty good one. About the, that. the DMV versus Daniel Snyder. Uh, Rex Ryan versus Geno Smith. Those are all great. It's, it's very annoying that the Jets went to Lambeau last year. Oh. Just missed. I'd almost just change the rule about interconference play and just, you know, you could add, they add an extra one. Should have done something about it. All right. That's enough. That's enough football. It's a lot this week. <laughs> a little too much. Too much football. A little too much. But great. Good talk. Patrick, always a pleasure. Always, always on this side. These, the, these aliens are going to make you eat your words, Clavon. No, I. They'll come for you first. They'll come I, knocking I have on no the door. issue with the aliens. <laughs> I, I feel like the aliens would have issue with the characterization of this story. Mm. That's what I feel. Aliens <laughs> I love that. Check out Patrick on uh, ITC. What is that called? Do you Inside get ten percent? It's what? back together weekend. <laughs> I'm saying he's uh, he's, he's got to catch him. Enjoy yourself. NFL.com. Heed the call. Download it. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit Visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Thermador at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com slash build.